Welcome to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Yeah. Debunking, uh, indeed. Debunking. Not, <laughs> not doing a lot of debunking today, but uh, we're, we're going into some murder. Murder, Moida, Moida. Um, well, and and uh, actually, this is this is a little bit different from from what we've done because uh, we've done the odd update on a yep. case before, yep. but I think it's usually a pretty short thing that we've we've recorded or we reference it in an episode. We've we've uh, not done this, which is devote an entire episode to. The update of a case. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, we don't usually have enough information to do a whole episode. <laughs> you, on an you're update. right. No, that is true. This was this was kind of an extraordinary circumstance. Um, and initially, the plan was not to do a full episode. <laughs> initially, initially, so things always start one way. I feel like. Another. Well, I feel like I remember texting you while I was in the midst of prepping notes, being like, "This is becoming something. <laughs> this is becoming a full episode." <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, it was a couple months ago. It was more than a couple months ago. Uh, it was last year. We covered the mystery of the Lady of the Dunes. Lady of the Dunes. Lady yep. of the Dunes. And and just to kind of refresh your memory a little bit, uh, July twenty sixth of nineteen seventy four. The decomposing remains of a woman were discovered on the beach of Race Point Dunes in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Yep. She'd been there a while. The body was was uh, pretty heavily decomposed, uh, possibly as long as two weeks. She was nude. She was lying on her stomach on a green towel. Both of her hands had been hacked off at the wrists and then jammed into the sand. Yep, that's unique. Uh, almost like she was in a push-up position, which was huh. which was odd. Yeah, uh, her hands were not nearby and would in fact never be found, even to this day. There was a pile of pine needles at the end of each arm. One side of her head was caved in. It appeared to have happened when she was lying down, either in sleep or possibly lying with a person next to her, and her head had been nearly severed from her body. Oof. Which was also covered in maggots. Uh She had a blue bandana tucked under her head as well as a pair of blue Wrangler jeans folded up like a pillow. Her toenails were painted a bright bubblegum pink. Her hair was red or brownish red and pulled back into a ponytail. Uh, And again, if you heard the initial episode, this might be ringing a little bit of a bell. If you have not listened to the original episode, I do recommend going back to fully appreciate uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Because despite the fact that this murder happened almost 50 years ago, the woman had never been identified. And the case has remained unsolved. And there was a lot of theories. Uh, Some thought maybe it was a mob killing of some kind. There was the, my favorite theory was the one about um, how she may have been an extra in Jaws. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that because yeah. there was this, like, profile shot of her in, like, little jeans. And, there's, right? there's a picture. There, there's a shot of this extra that, that was wearing something very similar and did bear something of a resemblance to the, the photo or the drawing that they kind of construct. There were some missing persons cases, some missing women that were looked at as, as possibly being the Lady in the Dunes. Uh, but we were unsure of her identity. That is... Until October 31st of 2022. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. The FBI announced that the woman in the dunes has finally been identified. Ruth Marie Terry. Ruth Marie Terry had beautiful red hair and blue eyes. She loved to sing. Uh, her family talked about how she oozed love and was the most loving person, that she was kind-hearted almost to a fault. Mm. She was born on September 8th of 1936 to John Terry and Ava Louise Keener in Whitwell, Tennessee, which is a place I have never heard of, but uh, <laughs> is apparently like 24 miles north of Chattanooga. Sure. Like Chattanooga Choo Choo, you know. Ooh, Chattanooga. No. All right. Heard of it. Never been. Don't <laughs> Never know where been. it is exactly. Uh, her great niece would later say of her, she wanted to explore. She wanted more than what she thought her life was in Tennessee. She left home as a teenager around uh, 1956 or so at the age of 20. She married a Korean war vet named Billy Ray Smith, started going by the name Ruth Smith, but they did separate. Uh, we okay. know that she was living in California in the 1960s before she returned to Tennessee and ultimately was murdered in 1974 at the age of 37. Now, looking at this timeline, there was an event that happened that would ultimately lead to her identification. In 1958... Uh, when she would have been about 21, 22 years old, she gave up a child. Oh. The child, a boy, was given to uh, a couple she worked with. She was living in, in Livonia, Michigan at this point, and she worked at a plant that made door panels and seat covers. I, I couldn't find anything. I tried to find out if we knew the identity of the father, I don't know if it was Billy Ray Smith who was her, her husband uh, or if it was someone else. And there, there's dates that are kind of sketchy. You know, you're trying to reconstruct a timeline of a person based mostly off of, like, employment records and, right. and marriage certificates, death certificates, uh, uh, some census records. It, 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 does, it does make it challenging. But um, the child, Richard Hanchett, he would grow up wanting to know more about his biological family. He took a DNA test in 2018, hoping to locate his birth mother. Uh, there had been an instance where she had wanted to get in touch with him but he, when he was a teenager, but he wasn't interested. He was really struggling. He struggled when he was a teenager with some, I think, addiction issues and just some, I mean, it, you know, he had some, he went through a rough patch. Sure. Uh, so, so he didn't. And after that, Ruth Marie disappeared. Hmm. So... In 2018, he took a DNA test, hoping to locate his birth mother, and ended up meeting some of her family in Tennessee. It was then that he learned she hadn't been heard from since the 70s. It was her nephew, Jim Terry, who said the last time he had seen her was in a motel room 
in July or August in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he would later say, we never heard from her again. I was a kid. I just remember a big smile and her auburn hair. Oh. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, you know, the fact that this many years after the fact, you know, a, a lot of her, her direct family is, has passed. You know, it's been almost 50 years. Mm-hmm. But she has these these nephews and great nieces and, and people who speak so lovingly, so fondly of her, even yeah. after all this time. Yeah. And it it is really sad when you think about I mean, you know, I think you touched on this a little with, with your episode you did recently. When you have a family member go missing, um, not having that closure, not knowing, even if that closure is you know they're, they've passed, you know they've been murdered, you know that whatever, not having that finality, that final moment, being able to bring them home, being able to, to properly grieve. Like, that's, that's really hard on a family. Yeah, 100%. Um, here's the thing, though, that, that her nephew, talking about this last time he saw her, when he saw her, she was not alone. Oh, okay. Tell me more. She was with her new husband. A man she had recently married in Reno in February of 1974, only months before she would end up murdered. Okay. A man named Guy Rockwell Moldavan a man who is currently the most likely suspect in her death. Now, this is all, I mean, like, this is incredible. It's exciting. It's amazing to, to so many years later to be, to be making all these connections. But, okay, so there's a reason I didn't want to just do that quick update like we talked about. Right, right. Because um, if, if this was it, if this was just, you know, like, oh, yeah, she got married, it's probably this dude. All right, the end. Right. Cool. Case probably solved. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But the more information that I found out about Guy Rockwell Moldavin, the weirder the case got. Ooh. Because this is not the first time he was looked at as a murder suspect. Oh, that's fun. This wasn't even the first time he was looked at as a murder suspect in his own wife's disappearance and murder. Oh, no. Like, that's bonkers, right? That's just, like, missed opportunity, man. It's, uh, there's a lot of things. And as I said, there was, there was times when I was researching this, like, I wish there was a live feed of my face <laughs> with some of what I would come across because it was pretty epic. That's fair. Um... Now, again, I'm, I'm going to say this now. Moldavan died in 2002 at the age of 78. Okay. Uh, so, you know, he's not alive to question him. Sure. But authorities have been talking a lot about how they are looking into him. And, uh, well, <laughs> I'll let you draw your own conclusions. We'll talk about this as I get through through these okay. facts. But I... Um, I have a feeling that that there's not a whole lot of doubt in anyone's mind as to who 
committed this murder, but let's let's uh, let's let's get through this. Let's let's All do right. this. So we're going to look a little it. bit of his history to start. Okay. Um, Guy was born in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. May 8th of 1925 to Albert and Sylvia Moldavin. I might be saying that name wrong, but honestly, I don't care because he's a murderer. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, I found reference in the article in the Cape Cod Times about his dad, Albert, who initially worked on Wall Street as a trader and gave this all up to go live in an old house and like travel with his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was references to guy spending time as a child on a cattle ranch and, and reports he was in school in Connecticut, New York and Switzerland. Random. Uh, Well, it's, I mean, again, his family had money. His family had money, but it's hard to, cause he just lied a lot. He lied a lot about his history and his background. Um, to the point where, like, I would find very credible news sources commenting on something that I was pretty sure was untrue, only because this is what he told everyone, so this was presented as fact. Sure. Uh, he was very spoiled growing up by his mother. He was sometimes an antique dealer, sometimes a DJ, sometimes an actor. That's a- <laughs> So just, like... Choose your own adventure, dude. Choose your own adventure, dude. That's a combination. Uh, he wanted to be an actor on Broadway. I don't oh. think that that worked out for him. Um, he was married <laughs> at least five times. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. did he kill all of his other wives too? No, that- no. Some of them lived through it. So like, oh, wow. go team. Good for you. Um, that just sounds exhausting, man. I was married once, and that was too much. Uh, <laughs> I tapped out. I was like, no, thank you. Tap out. Um, in 1946, he married a woman named Joe Ellen Loop. Awesome name, Loop. I just like that loop. It's pleasing to say. They opened up an antiques shop in... Do you want to know where they opened up this antique shop, Gabby? Where did they open up this antique shop, Kim? Can I take a guess? Brooklyn? No. Closer to home. Chattanooga? Our home. Seattle. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, really? It's like really definitely not close on a map, but no. Sure. Seattle. They opened up an antique store in Seattle. Uh, They divorced 10 years later. He apparently had a son with her, but she retained custody, and it does not appear that he was involved at all in his son's life after they divorced. That sucks. Does it? For him? I mean, like, when you, Uh, you know, someone's this much of a cesspool of a human being, I don't know. I guess I wonder how Kim feels. I'm just (laughs) saying, you know, you have, I, I think about some of the, like, children of serial killers, and I'm like, you know, they were probably better off if they didn't have their serial killer parent in their life. Uh, when Manzanita Mearns. Wow. It's a great name, right? Wonderful name. Manzanita. Walked into his antique store. She was with her husband, William, at the time. At this point, it should be noted that um, Moldavin was actually going by the name Raul, Raul Guy Rockwell. <laughs> What a name. I know that that is a name built for drama. I think that must oh, have been like a, his acting sure. name or something because that's just stage name. That is such a stage name. That's three stage names right there. Um but for this section I I probably will default to referring to him as Rockwell or Guy just because um too many names. <laughs> well, and this is how in all the reports about this portion of his life, this is how he was referred to as, because this is uh, what everyone knew him as. Sure. And so I apologize 
And this does get confusing. He had a ton of aliases. And any times any, anyone was, was giving an interview or, or testifying about him, it was using whatever name he was going by. So in this case, it was, you know, Guy Raul Rockwell uh, or Raul Guy Rockwell. See, yeah, even I'm getting confused. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Um, Manzanita was a striking redhead. She was known as Manzi to her Ooh, friends. that's cute. And she worked in a bank downtown. So Manzi was quite taken with Rockwell. Mm. They started having an affair. She left her husband, who wouldn't Uh grant her a divorce uh, initially, even though she moved in with Rockwell. Wow. Yeah. And they lived together for two years before her ex was like, all right, yeah, this looks like it's sticking. I guess I'll give you a divorce. (laughs) Wow. What a patient dude. It's, I mean, that was something. So uh, Manzi and Raul got married and they lived above the antique store. Manzi had three daughters. Two of the daughters stayed with her ex, William, but the eldest went with Manzanita. Uh, Her name was Dolores Ann, and she would go on to attend the University of Washington. Oh. Here's the thing, though. You marry a guy who's willing to have an affair with you. Do you think fidelity is something that means a lot to him? Nah, probably not. Yeah, not so much. Uh, And Rockwell was considered attractive, charismatic. It's hard. I looked at pictures of him and I was like, really? This dude? But it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, you do get a little tainted when you're looking at pictures of somebody who you you know is most likely a murderer. Where I'm just like, eh, no thank you. Well, you know what that reminds me of too is how like when Bundy was around, everyone was like, ooh, this really striking, good looking dude. But, like, I look at pictures of him and I'm like, really? Him? I don't, I don't <laughs> see it. I don't get it. But, again, it's, you know, you do get a little, I think, influenced by yeah. knowing their body count. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> that, that, that checks. That checks. Uh, as I'd mentioned, he told a lot of, of stories and tall tales about his history and background. But, like, you know those Seattleites, they'll listen to anything. Uh, people, people loved it. You know, he was he was decently successful in his business. By March of 1960, though, things were not well in the household. Ooh, surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Neighbors were gossiping that Rockwell was having an affair. And then, almost out of the blue, Manzanita left her philandering husband. Left her job. In fact, it seems like she left just about everything because she kind of vanished. Oh, no. And, you know, strangely enough, her daughter Dolores also stopped going to class, although tuition <gasps> was paid fully through the end of term. No. And neighbors, they're like, you know, this seems out of character. But when they asked Rockwell where she was, he'd say, well, Dolores and Manzanita had gone to Vancouver, B.C. to see family. That's where her ex-husband lived. After weeks of no word and no sign, though, um, he said that that was a lie. He'd made it up because he was embarrassed because Manzanita had left him. Oh, no. Now, this was an account from Anne Rule's Smoke, Mirrors, and Murders. I love Anne Rule. I love Anne Rule. There's a whole chapter of this book devoted to this case, and I got a lot of this backstory from from this book. So it was an absolutely fantastic reference. Um, Awesome. 
According to this account, he said, quote, and Mandy closed out our joint bank account. She took every penny I've saved for the shop to buy more antiques. She even burned all my business records before she left. I'm having a terrible time trying to figure out my income tax returns. Oh, no. He did that himself. Well, okay, so this is odd because, like, Mansie had been pretty open with people who knew her about their money problems. But you have Rockwell here claiming that she had taken thousands of dollars. So this was all weird. It didn't fully add up. Um, but no one's... I don't know. No one's looking too closely at it. And Rockwell seems completely broken up. Like neighbors are saying, you know, he's drinking a lot. He's not opening the business. But he he improves. By July of 1960, he files for divorce, claiming that he's an abandoned spouse. Um, By July 26, he is officially a single man. And wait for it. Do you know what he went out and did to celebrate? Oh, no. What? He got engaged. Oh, to whom? Wife number, well, soon to be wife number three, one Evelyn Emerson. Uh, And he married her three days after he was granted his divorce. Wow. That's. That's a choice. That is a choice. That's also like, I did not care. Like, that's a very much like, ah, moving on. Moving on right now. it's, It's, you know, some people just need to. You only have this one life, Gabby. You only have this one life. Yeah, especially um, if it's cut short from being murdered by an asshole. Yeah, that does it. Um, but uh, to be fair, Evelyn came from a very prominent family. I'm sure that yeah. helped. That, that eases the sting of being an abandoned spouse. That's fair. Shortly after they got married, Rockwell asked her family if they might be interested in joining him in a business venture. He had a lead on a bunch of, quote, Indian, and I'm putting that word in quotes because that's what the sources all said. Okay. I believe, because again, this is the 1960s, I believe they're using Indian in the way we would say indigenous. Okay. Thank so you for not, the clarification. Not From India? East Indian, but but yeah. Um, but again, it was all quoted in all the articles as saying Indian. Um These artifacts would sell for a lot of money, but because his horrible ex-wife left him high and dry, he didn't have the cash on hand. Could you help me now that we're all family? Oh, no. They gave him a check for $10,000, which is about 100 grand by today's standards. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to just hand over. Yeah. Uh, he said he had to go to Canada to get the items. He asked his in-laws if Evelyn could stay with them because he didn't want her coming. We need to get the don't be suspicious sound clip don't to use. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. I feel like we're going to be using it a lot, so I just feel like we should have that ready. We use it a lot. We should. We do. I also, it's from one of our favorite shows. It is so from one of our duh. favorite shows. So maybe we may have to add that in at some point. <clears throat> Also, again, this is all, they've not even married a week, Gabby, and this is happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Red flag. It's not just a red flag. I don't know, like, I guess it's the 1960 of it all. Um, I'm trying to think of something like this happening. Like, there's no way people could be this naive today, is there? People are dumb. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think sometimes I'm sorry. We've come across some pretty wild stories. I know. I just. uh, I would like to have more faith in people, too, Kim. (laughs) However, we have been disproved time after time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, He was very clear. He's like, you know, oh, I'm going to be back in a couple days. Don't worry. Hey, Gabby. Yeah. Do you you think he was back in a couple days? (laughs) You know, he definitely wasn't. He was not. No, he was not. By August 10th, um, a missing persons report is actually filed because Evelyn is so worried about her hubby. Um, So detectives take Evelyn's statement about her husband going to Canada. It's like a nice twist on my girlfriend who lives in Canada. Uh, They get his flight information, all that, and um, also the information on the money her parents had given him. So a detective calls the bank to check, like, see what his account activity has been. And this is what he finds. So Rockwell had recently cashed a $10,000 check. He also then took $3,000 from his account, not in Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars. Huh. So if I need to go buy a bunch of things in Canada and I'm using this money to go to Canada, shouldn't the money I get also be... Canadian. Canadian, exactly. Uh, the bank also says that Manzanita's name is still on the account. So not only did he not bother to take his, quote, ex-wife's name off the account, this ex-wife who supposedly had already drained his account, uh, he drained all the money and left. The car he'd rented to take him to the airport, it was returned the day after he supposedly flew to Canada. So now there's articles running in the paper about all this, and someone new steps forward. A woman. Oh. A woman who lives in Queen Anne. Like my neighborhood? Yeah, this is Seattle. This is all Seattle's not that big of a place, really. Well, I, I know that, but I'm, I'm just like making sure. Like, like yeah, Queen my Anne. area. That's where I live. It, it's one of the things I found so funny is, is uh, researching all this, because like they're referencing places. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. Oh, yeah, I know that building. Um, this woman, she says she's been having an affair with him. She's married. <laughs> Great. That they flew to San Francisco together on August 4th, a day after he obviously did not go to Canada. And then he abandoned her too. <gasps> wow. Just going through him like water. He's just like, this is, I don't know, like tissue paper to him or something. Um, So I guess what happened? So the two of them have been together, and he asks her to go with him on a trip to Portugal. Like you do. And she had no idea that he had gotten married to Evelyn. But bearing in mind, too, she's cheating on her husband, so don't feel too badly for her. No, all these people, just incestuous. Just everyone's married and nobody cares. Nobody cares. It was the 60s. Um, so he called her on August 2nd to ask her to come with him to San Francisco on August 4th. So this dude, um, his his second wife, because remember, Manzanita was wife number two. She's right. gone. He's divorced for a few days. He gets married again, all the while stringing this other woman along. Like, dude, bro, abandoning two women in two days. That is a killer set of balls. Like, indestructible balls. <laughs> is that our hashtag for this episode? Indestructible balls. <laughs> Hashtag indestructible balls. I just, I mean, okay, but do you appreciate why this had to be its own episode? (sighs) 
And Gabby, we haven't even gotten to the really messed up stuff yet. Oh my God, I can't wait. Let's get there. Let's do it. Okay. So this is enough that, uh, you know, some people start to say, hmm, mayhap, mayhap, this man seems to be up to some shady shit, mayhap, he also did something shady to Manzanita, mayhap, 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 bank records show, no one made a large withdrawal from the account around the time Rockwell was claiming Manzanita drained their joint account, so another lie, uh, Manzanita's ex-husband, this is Dolores Ann's dad, William. He's living in Vancouver uh, with his, his other two daughters, with their other two daughters. And he opens sure. a missing persons case for his ex-wife and daughter. And it's, it's September 2nd at this point. And even though the two of them were divorced, they were on pretty decent terms. And Manzanita was visiting generally about once a month. But they hadn't seen her since March. Hmm. Now, this was not immediately suspicious to William um, because, you know, she's a little flighty. And Rockwell told him that Manzi had left him. And William was like, all right, again, that kind of tracks. He would say, quote, Manzi left me the same way when she ran off with Raul. She just took off without so much as a note. I didn't hear from her for nine months, not until she wanted to arrange for the visits with our younger girls. Fair. <laughs> so it tracks. It's, it's su- not surprising. Truly. Not surprising. Um, but detectives now have multiple missing persons they need to investigate. Oy, oy, oy. So they're trying to put all these pieces together. They start questioning friends and neighbors to get some kind of idea of when the women were last seen. So their next door neighbor saw her on March 31st of 1960 uh, and said, quote, she was coming home from her work and everything seemed to be normal with her. I know I saw Dolores the day before and she was so excited about registering for spring quarter. She'd gotten into the classes she wanted. Neither of them acted as though they planned to leave Seattle. Red flag. Red flag. Huge red flag. Uh, What's more, the neighbor, Karen, (laughs) Karen, Yannick, (laughs) of course, the neighbor's name is Karen. (laughs) Um, She would reveal something even more unsettling. Quote, Uh Maybe we just had overactive imaginations. Oh, no. But we noticed that one of the windows under their building was opened. And it never was before. It was right next to the septic tank. (gasps) And later on, maybe as late as June, there was a really terrible foul odor. Oh, no. Coming from their house. It was so bad that we asked Rocky about it. He said it was only some crab that had spoiled, and he threw it into his garbage can. That's oddly specific. Yeah. Hey, Gabby, if it looks like spoiled crab and it smells like spoiled crab, it's probably a A dead dead body. body. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get me. This is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. So a detective takes the neighbor, Karen. (laughs) Karen. (laughs) I'm sorry, Karen's the world. It's not your fault, (laughs) except for the ones that it is. Um, He takes Karen over to look at Manzanita's things. And so after kind of sifting through 
the clothing and, and stuff, Karen reveals that the only thing she thinks is actually missing is a jacket. So again, if I am taking all of this money from bank accounts and packing up my daughter and getting out of Dodge, I am leaving behind basically all my clothing and apparently my purse as well. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh... And, and the more detectives investigate, the more it becomes clear that Rockwell wasn't even keeping the stories he was telling about Manzanita consistent from person to person. Oh, my God. Which I'm always just like, dude, <laughs> you're going to lie. Like, be consistent. That's frustrating. So on September 1st of 1960... Seattle detectives get a call from someone in Chelan County Sheriff's Office. Hmm. Now, for those of you who don't know uh, Washington or who don't listen to our podcast a lot, like, this is my family's old stomping ground. Like, I, I, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, but my grandparents on my mom's side, they're from Yakima Valley, which is more eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Um my mom's folks retired to Leavenworth, Washington, which is this adorable little Bavarian-themed tourist town outside of Wenatchee. Wenatchee, which is right by the Columbia River. This is all Chelan County. Detectives had recovered the severed legs of oh. a woman in the Columbia River in May and June. Wait, so... I have a question. Yes. <laughs> Did she have one leg in May and one leg in June? Yes. <laughs> they found one leg in May and elsewhere found another leg and then realized they the legs together. were from the same person. Oh, no. <laughs> My joke ended up falling flat on its face. Or legs. Or legs. <laughs> um, and I mean, okay, you found legs. So what? It's a river. River carries water. Like and I mean, like, the most, so like, that's the most Pacific Northwest response. Listen, <laughs> I have a brand and it is the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's mildly less passive aggressive, though, because of my East Coastness. Um, but I mean, but you know what I'm trying to say. So, like, Chelan County, Wenatchee, uh, this is, you know, two, two and a half hours away right. from Seattle. So it's not like, this isn't like, you know, finding a pair of legs in Lake Union. No, that's proper Seattle. This, that's proper Seattle. That's that's yeah. where you'd be like, oh, these these legs, I could connect to a missing person. Uh, one of the reasons why it, it took until September for the Chelan County Sheriff's Office to even contact Seattle is it didn't occur to them it could be connected to anything in Seattle. Sure, that makes sense. But they know the two legs came from the same person. It was a woman around 40, they guessed, who was about five foot five, maybe 130 pounds. Manzanita, five foot five, about 122 pounds. Okay. She also had some fairly distinct, God, this sounds so weird to say. She had distinct legs. Like, How so? she um, had. I, oh God, I can't think of a better term to use other than she kind of had cankles um, and had some like bunions and stuff. Like she okay. had, you know, that features features that if I knew someone's legs um, would make them identifiable, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
There's also the fact that on April 6th, which was days after the last sighting of Manzanita and Dolores Ann, um, Rockwell rented a truck. He returned the truck the next day. The odometer showed he drove about 306 miles. Gabby, ask me how long a round trip is between Wenatchee and Seattle. Kim, how long is a round trip from it's Wenatchee to Seattle? About the same. <laughs> 306 miles. Yeah, Noted. give or take. Got it. Yeah. At this point, police are starting to give the house that they lived in a little bit more of a thorough looking at. I'm not sure why it took them this long, but there you go. They find blood stains on the stairs going up to the attic. The blood was type O positive, which was the same blood as the legs. <laughs> I like how you're not even being like as the person, I, as well, the legs. As the legs, because, I mean, that's what was found. It was just legs. Legs. Um, and that was believed to be Manzanita's blood type. The way the blood was distributed, it suggested that something, possibly a body, had been dragged up the stairs. Out of that, curiosity, yes. what else could have been dragged up the stairs with blood? An a, animal? An animal, yeah. Okay. Fair. Like, you know, I don't know, if you butcher something or a dead rat, except that's too big. I don't know, a possum. Okay. I mean, I, it's, it's unlikely, but, the you know. Sure. Yeah. Options. Yeah. Um, the attic also showed bloodstains as well as patches of blue paint because someone had tried to paint over some of the bloodstains unsuccessfully. Uh, blue paint. I'm sorry. If you're going to make the effort. <laughs> yeah. Why are people it, I, so dumb? I, I mean, like, I have notes, but I don't know if it's the kind of notes I should actually be giving to people. No, that's the, no, Kim, just pause. Just keep, keep the ball rolling. <laughs> Let's not get into those notes. Let's not give people any ideas. All right, I'm just saying, I have notes. Um, they also found pieces of uh, tissue and bone fragments. Mm. A piece of tooth was found near the stairs, and it looked like it belonged to a young person. They were guessing maybe a 20-year-old Dolores Ann was about 18 Police also found from reports, you know, that the septic tank cover had been partially off and then suddenly it was newly sealed. Well, isn't that interesting? Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So they open it, which gross. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's a septic tank, man. There's no goods coming from that. Um, no, and they have just to, bad. They have to pump it out. So, like, double gross because, you know poop well uh but it got grosser still because body parts oh no the following is a list of what was found and again i have to credit ann rule's book for giving me this list uh a uterus with a small portion of a vaginal vault attached the upper portion of the right ear of a human which had been hacked off Oy. a kidney Five pieces of colon and stomach lining. Ooh. One section of lung. One section of muscle. One partial kidney. Two sections of rib. One partially burned with sod ends. Ooh. Bones from the forearm. 
and a partridge and a pear tree. Uh, it's, I mean, it's funny. Okay, so um, when I first, when the story first broke of all of this, of of the Lady of the Dunes identity, of the fact that there was this, you know, kind of suspected guy, um, all of them say, you know, he was thought to have, have killed his first wife, um, and and her daughter and the remains found in a septic tank. And honestly, that's about as detailed as they get. I didn't know about the legs until I started really looking into this. Um, sure. And I didn't know what remains in the septic tank meant. Reading this list, and I realized we're, we're making a few jokes, um, partially just, I think, out of the absurdity of all this. Yeah. Uh, not in a way in which I'm I'm meaning to be disrespectful of of what happened, but like, it's it's genuinely just so bonkers and unbelievable to me. Um, mm-hmm. And and to find this much of someone in a septic tank, uh, it's I don't know. It 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 says a lot about him too. I think. Um, to to disregard somebody so much, and this is like to, two people, not even just one person. Well, right? all of these remains they believe came from Dolores. Ah, uh, the so popular there remains from not the other the, one. I, not it, it's the. Uh, they believe this was all Dolores, and I think the the theory is is that um, he disposed of Manzanita in the river. He, he chopped her up, and and well, I mean like. Um, dismembered the body and threw it into the river. And I mean, like, let's face it, it's actually kind of remarkable they found both the legs. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the Columbia River is is massive. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the remains all seem to have come from a, a woman of about 18. Um, but the most upsetting thing, like, this feels like a lot, right? You find legs, you find pieces of bodies, you find testimony, stories that aren't adding up, but like we can speculate, we can mm-hmm. assume, like we know who these bodies are, but we don't. We don't actually have their identity. So I don't know about you, but I know that I, I love uh, doing too many things at once and saying yes to everything <laughs> all the time. I think you know that's true of me, too. <laughs> and that's why we require coffee so we can get things done. But then it sometimes mm-hmm. often all the time backfires on us. Yeah. No, my problem with coffee is, uh, I mean, like, I love it. I drink too much of it. But if I drink coffee past a certain point in the day, then I'm up all night. Yeah. So then I'm tired because I don't sleep. So I have to drink more coffee. So then I'm up all night and it becomes. But I relate. I, I feel like I tend to drink more coffee to try to get more done. And then I just get so shaky and jittery that I can't function and my anxiety yeah. goes to the roof and then like nothing gets done. So yeah, productivity is a challenge when you sign up for too many things. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, in the sake of efficacy. <laughs> We try to find a better way. Well, we actually had the opportunity to try a product called Magic Mind. And what's so cool is like they're just they're little these little tiny bottles. And I loved that 
I could just wake up, go to my fridge and take it. Yep. And it was so quick and it's so easy. I'm not preparing anything. I'm not having to run out to get to get more coffee. Uh, it was just this this tiny little bottle in my fridge. Nice. And you can drink it with or without coffee, mm-hmm. too, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. I know we took it for like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed the difference pretty immediately. I know that it's like the longer you take it, the more the effects show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. But for me, I found that pretty immediately I was able to see... I was way more productive, less stressed, more focused. I Uh have a tendency to get distracted when I'm in the middle of a project. Didn't happen as much when I was doing this, which was kind of nice. Less stress, less anxiety. Big goal of life. It's got some (laughs) nootropics in it um, Uh to help you stay focused, relaxed, flow state of mind. But also, I know one of your favorite ingredients, matcha. Matcha. I love matcha. I love matcha so much. Anytime I see that it's in something, I get, like, weirdly excited. So (laughs) It's so good, and it has... uh, L-theanine in it that reduces stress, which is really cool and allows you to just, you know, have a more natural approach to caffeine. Uh uh And I know I've actually referred it to a lot of people that I work with because we are all workaholics and like to get stuff done. (laughs) And so, hey, if we can be more effective in what we do. Let's do it. It's a good. It's a good product for ghost hunters. It is. We, you know. Yeah, it's perfect for ghost hunting. <laughs> and having said that, <laughs> <laughs> so Magic Mind has graciously given us the opportunity to uh, share a deal with our listeners. So if you go to MagicMind.co/slash/ghoulish-tendencies, you can get up to fifty-six percent off your first subscription order if you order in the next ten days, or twenty percent off a one-time purchase if you. You use the code ghoulish20. A break in the case weirdly came when the police were contacted by a woman who was married to Rockwell's older brother, Michael. This is the woman who told police that where he might be using the name Rockwell, he was born Guy Moldovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lived in California and had heard back from him in April when he traveled there. He was supposed to visit. He didn't. And the other thing she said was, you really can't count on Guy. He lies. Ah, It's such a simple way to put it, too. He lies. Just after Thanksgiving in 1960, he was arrested in Brooklyn, New York. He's charged with unlawful flight to avoid giving testimony relating to mutilation of human remains, which that's a lot. Yeah. Um, And then larceny charges because he took money from his wife's family. What a winner. Oh, it gets better. Uh, Seattle detectives go to try to get him to confess. And man, he talks some circles. During the interrogation, he says, quote, I'm morally guilty of Manzanita and Dolores' deaths. I was the only person living with them and the only person who might have had an opportunity to commit these crimes. Which shit, like, okay, so that's not a confession, but it's also not not a confession. No, that's, that's, oh, that's so annoying. Right? So then they show him pictures of the legs that were pulled from the river. And he says, quote, I know what Manzanita's legs look like, and I know that Manzi and Dolores are dead. 
what the fuck? Excuse my French. <laughs> no, but I like, mean, okay, so again, like, yeah. It, it's not a confession. <laughs> but it's not not a confession. <laughs> or my last one, my oh, favorite no. one. I sealed the septic tank with cement. After they vanished, there was a terrible foul odor coming from it. Like, what a twat. This is making me so mad. (laughs) So again, I wish there was a live feed of my face when I was doing this research. Well, you know what we do have is we have our video of this recording for our patrons to see. (laughs) Of me covering my face going, oh my God. Um, Because it's the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah, (laughs) no, I very deliberately wasn't updating you on any of this because I wanted your reactions. Yeah, no, this is wild. This is like... He's like playing a mind game with the detectives by saying things like that. Like, let me give you the most minimal information. But it's, I don't even know that it's a mind game. I think it's narcissistic to me. Oh, f- well, yeah, sure. That too. I can Do you see know that. I mean? Like, it's, it's, uh, it's so narcissistic. Um, and, and so he, he says that he needs to talk to a Jesuit priest in Seattle and um, before he'd say anything else. And then he does. He speaks to this Jesuit priest. We don't know what he said because, you know, it's confidential. Sure. But after all he would say is, quote, they are dead and I'm alive. And that's what's important. What an asshole. Right? So he is charged uh, and convicted of larceny. He barely serves any time because by March 22nd of 1962, the sentence is suspended as long as he pays the money back. And he's never charged with Manzanita's death or Dolores Ann's death. A judge actually said in regards to the charges, it is my duty to completely eliminate the fact that I know what the suspicions are of our police department and our community. What the fuck? Well, because, okay, and, like, I hate it. I hate it so much, but, and you know how much I hate saying this. But it's But what do we not have? Yeah. Evidence. 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 We have human remains. Yes. Multiple human remains. But we can't prove who those human remains belong to. Like, again, in my mind, I think, I'm sure in your mind and in everyone's mind, there is no doubt who these human remains belong to. Sure. But this is early 1960. We don't have DNA. We can't prove their identity with a DNA test. And even though these remains are suspicious as hell, there's nothing that can be done without further evidence. 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 And, like, the prosecutor, too, at the time, he he contemplated trying to go ahead with it. But at this point, in 1960... There had yet to be a murder conviction when we didn't have a body. That wouldn't happen for like 40 years. Right. So I get it. Because also here's the thing. If you try him for these murders and he's found not guilty and then later evidence does pop up. You can't try him again. Yeah. Yeah. You only get that one shot. So it's maddening, but I, I also understand it. They're, they were very limited um, with what they could prove. That's so frustrating. Uh, 
he would get married for a fourth time. Oy. And that would be Ruth Marie Terry on February 16th of 1974, who would then turn up dead months later, whose death would go unsolved for almost 50 years. Wild. But what, okay, so this was what was really trippy for me. So again, this, this book I read of Anne Rules had this whole chapter on, on him, and it was all about Manzanita and Dolores Anne. It was published in 2007. Mm-hmm. Near the end of this chapter, because it's just a chapter in this book. It's a collected, sure. like, you know. Um, there's a sentence uh, where she says, and this is a quote from the book. Because at this point, she wasn't sure what happened to him. There were some records, but it was a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. Public records show that a man named Guy R. Moldovan was married on February 16th, 1974, to a woman named Terry in Washoe County, Nevada. Terry. Ruth Marie Terry. And at the time the book was written, she had no way of knowing that that little note, that reference to a marriage, would connect him not only to another murder... But, like, the most famous cold case in Massachusetts. And I don't know why this got to me so much. But seeing this, seeing this evidence. Evidence. In her book, seeing that there was this record. The puzzle piece was just there. It was just, it was just sitting there. Like, because... I mean, and and it's at the time the book was written, like, um, I don't even know that there was an official missing persons case for for Ruth Marie Terry. Uh, I know that that her family, after they lost contact with her, they contacted him and he said, ah, she left me. And so they hired some private detectives and stuff. But I don't know if they ever actually filed an official missing persons case. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why certain connections were never made. But it's that just that that particular thing just really got to me. I could see why. Um, And authorities have always suspected that the Lady of the Dunes knew her murderer. The fact that there was no defensive wounds, she wasn't in distress when it happened, um, she wasn't fighting, the severing of the hands, so you couldn't identify use fingerprints, you couldn't identify, uh, the caving of the face in. Um, the killer didn't want her identified because, again, who is the first person you would look at? The spouse. The spouse. The partner. Um, there's also the fact that Moldovan's family had property in Massachusetts. He, okay, this was trippy. So he wrote this book around 1976 mm-hmm. called Cooking with Rump Oil. What? Yeah, it's like, it's, I don't know, it's a cookbook, I guess. It's super bizarre. I, I wasn't able to get a copy of it, but I found some sections people had posted on the internet. It's full of just these weird recipes. Like, so there's this article that had some expert excerpts, um, and there's this recipe called Cape Cod Shid. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know if this is a Cape Cod thing. I tried to get more info on that. I, I struggled. Cape Cod Shid, S-H-I-D. Uh, and this recipe says, quote, out of the water and into the pan. The only way to cook the shid, after the shid is caught, anything over five minutes ends it. The sweet turpentine taste will turn to that of a burnt glove, and the tender look will become one of despair. Don't cook the shid out of it. 
That's weird, what? right, man? Like that's just I don't even that's I, that is psychopathic. Like that thank is you. nuts. And scarier still, the dedication page. Oh no. Because the dedication page, this is 1976. This is two years after he allegedly murders Ruth Marie Terry. Quote, to my wife, Phyllis Smurl, also P.S. awesome name. Phyllis has proved to me that love, bestiology, and rump oil can walk together hand in paw. What is this know. rump oil situation? I don't know. I don't think I want to know. Like, it sounds dirty, but it I don't know if it does. is, but maybe it is. I don't know, man. I have questions. If, anyone, if this is like a Cape Cod thing, if this is like some kind of local cute thing and you're from the area, can you please, like, feel free to write and tell us because I got nothing. Uh, but it also tells us this is wife number five. Yikes. I thought for a second you were going to say he dedicated it to the wife that he killed. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the most recent one. Mm, the see, one that we're, we're talking about on this episode. Well, we're talking about I both mean, that's of true. Them. We're talking about multiple <laughs> ones. <laughs> but the lady of the dunes is the one I was thinking. Yeah. Um, I also found this article written about him in 1985 because he, he had a radio show. Oh, my God. Uh, he had a radio show, Gabby. He had an outlet Ugh. in California. K-A-Z-U. Like public radio, I guess. It was called Talk to Me. Oh, no. He used to open the show by saying, God, this is, okay, sorry. Um, from your conception to this very moment, you are getting older. How are you doing? I don't like that. Well, it's like knowing that. this dude probably allegedly killed at least three people. Like, that's hella weird, right? That's also just really messed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in this article, is this it ran in the Californian talks about a show, which was, I guess, conceived to be one that dealt with aging and transition. Um, to death. But he, quote, introduced programs dealing with homosexuality, the erosion of culture, and his belief that killing has become a habit. I'm sorry, I'm what? Like, like, for you, dude, is this a habit you have? Like, just generally. I think he was killing speaking the fact that he thinks that, that like, oh, we have a murder problem or something. But I'm like, I'm sorry, is this we, you? You're the murder problem. You're the murder problem. Uh, but, like, I wish you could have seen my face when I first read this. Because I lost it. Oh, my God. And, like, like I said... Sorry, my mic keeps being funky. Like I said earlier um, at the start of the episode, like he died in 2002 in uh, Salinas, California after an illness. And his last wife, Phyllis, stuck with him, didn't get murdered by him. So go team out of his five wives. He didn't kill, allegedly, three out of the five. Hey, <laughs> this is terrible. More than 50 <laughs> percent. What a positive outlook. Like Kim. if I marry this guy. <laughs> There's a two-fifths chance he'll murder me. You know. What a glass half full kind of guy. Uh, also, you know what this really sounds like to me? Which, like, could be totally bonkers. And you're going to be like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds Sorry. like the show You. Did you ever watch You? Uh, I watched the first season and then I kind of. It went eh. downhill from there. So you didn't miss out on much. But yeah. it's no, just it's like. A- it's like nuts. It's like dumb how nobody sees what's happening, but yes. it just keeps happening. And like 
that's why I kind of like don't love it because I'm always like, this would never happen in real life in modern times. Like that's it's the modern time. It's the modern time because that's the thing. Right. If you transported this entire case forward a couple decades, this is none of it would have happened beyond the first murders. No, but that's why I'm saying it sounds like the show, but it's just because it took place in a time the, when modern you things could, were not a thing. You could yeah. get away with this. And like, okay, so his last wife, Phyllis, she outlived him by like 20 years because, and it got a little sketchy here. Cause so I, I found references to her dying in 2021, but I couldn't find an obituary. Hmm. Uh, but there was some stuff listed on ancestry. It looked like by, by relatives about her dying in 2021, but also I found property that supposedly belongs to her. So I don't know. And it was a rabbit hole. I was like, I kind of want to keep going down this rabbit hole, but it's not actually important. So I should stop, uh, <laughs> which is how we I do spend that. Well, there, I have a lot of moments when I'm researching where I really want to find the answer to something, but I'm like, this isn't actually important. You don't need to know the answer to this. You want to know, but you don't need to know. And you're running out of time. Um, but, like, that's that. You know, police are still actively looking into um, Ruth Marie Terry's case, obviously, now that we have an identity. And, and, and this is still very fresh, you know. This was announced October 31st of 2022. Yeah, that's like... This is very new. Six months ago. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're specifically naming Moldovan uh, as a person of interest, as somebody they're looking into. Um, I don't know how many leads they can concretely get at this point. I, I kind of think this is going to turn into a similar situation that we have with Manzanita and Dolores's deaths. Uh, like we know he did it. We do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say allegedly, I, it's not like he's alive so he can sue me for saying he did it, but like, uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, but we... It's very unlikely there's going to be some kind of smoking gun right. found. But uh, what do you think? Well, I'm right there with you. I agree. And I, I, I think it's just more frustrating than anything. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, that That's also why I hate watching you. It's like, you guys are dumb. Like, no. <laughs> and, like, I feel like hearing about this now is more frustrating because we know what could have been done had it happened during yeah. a time when we had or when they had the, you know, technology to be able to do something about it. But I still feel like there were like, just based on everything that you presented, I feel like there were probably opportunities to like take note of things that seemed odd or sketch and people didn't. I, I think that's true. But I also think we have to remember the time period. That people that wouldn't I, think it's weird at that time? Well, I, I think that it's it's sometimes really, really easy to judge how something was handled or how people reacted to something in a 2023 lens uh, for something that that happened, you know, 60 years ago Like in the, the whole, case of the first. Yeah, like the whole debacle with Manzanita and Dolores going missing and the bank account and then him getting divorced and then like remarried so quickly. Yeah. Like that to me is just like how, who didn't see that being a non. But I mean, thing? like not to, but like look at Don Draper and Mad Men. 
<laughs> he like divorced his wife and then marries the secretary or whatever with him. I mean, I'm not saying that I, it's just, it's time period. Culture is different. And, and yeah. not that it's not weird and not that there weren't probably neighbors being like, mm, but, but no one did anything was, about it. This wasn't a, a time period where people were looking for murder the same way we do now. Gosh, do you know what so I mean? Wild. Yeah, no, I do. I guess it's so hard to like reprogram your brain to think differently. It's it's context. You have to respect yeah. the context of a time, and right. and it's it can get really frustrating because I'll I mean I'm certainly critical of times when I'm I'm reading an older case and and reading how procedure isn't done properly and and how that screws things up. But I I also have to remind myself that there's a lot of things we know now, and there's much stricter protocol and procedures. Because they've learned and right. evolved yeah. and, and that, um, you know, when, when Dolores and, and Manzanita went missing, we're still like about two decades away from having a word for serial killer, having a phrase for that. Yeah, like it's, it's, wild. it's a really different time. Yeah. Um, I kind of linger on the fact. Okay. So we know he killed at least allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, He very likely killed at least three women. Was that it? Uh, I don't know that I I look at him and think serial killer uh, in the sense that he had this compulsion to kill. Sure. Police are entertaining that possibility. They haven't spoken much on it, but that kind of tracks because they are actively investigating it. But... He killed allegedly three people. It's very possible there could be more. Um, I honestly, I think he falls more under the kind of con man side of things. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely. I think if he, when he killed, there was financial motivations. There were uh, uh, more on on that end of thing. I don't know. Maybe he was just really shit at breakups. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, it's. This has been really wild to see this history. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, I mean, honestly, even though we were updating on Lady of the Dunes, this was really about episode. Manzanita and Dolores. Yeah. And their murder. Um, and and saying their names aloud and connecting their their deaths to Ruth Marie Terry and to this guy who got away with it three times. And never was held responsible. He really wasn't, honestly. He, he, um, there was very little things he was held responsible for. Uh, and I think that might be what I find the most upsetting. That, I mean, even the fact that I can tell you a lot more about him than I can about the other three women. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. I tried. I tried to find as many details as I could. But it tracks. It tracks with everything that we know about situations like this unfortunately yeah. mm-hmm. you know i think yeah. i'm more like frustrated that he was like i don't know if you would call it successful but like had his own radio show and talked about like murder being a problem like what <laughs> like that's so nuts to me that like it's- he could get away with all of it yeah never be held responsible and then have a fun radio show and talk about And then have a fun – and writing what? cookbooks and, and like, just living this – Did he ever have any kids outside of um, 
like the in, one in son. His... Not not that we know of. Um, I mean, the thing was is that even by the time he married Ruth Marie, he was he was getting up there in age. He was um, around. Well, let's see. He was born. I think he was born twenty five, right? So he was he was about fifty when okay. they got married. So, um, and she was thirty seven when she died. Uh, so, and they were barely. I mean. <laughs> They were only married a couple months. Uh, so, no, I only saw accounts of, of the one child, and that one child from his first marriage um, uh, didn't seem to have any contact hmm. with him after. Yeah, because uh, that was good. We liked that the, he didn't have contact with him. It was, yes, that is, we are pro that. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild, though. Like, what a great example of, well, let's dig into this and find a whole other thing. And very, very unexpectedly. Um, I was not, I was not prepared for the direction this took, but the more I started to uncover about, about Manzanita and Dolores Ann, um, the more I was like, we need to tell their story too. Cause it's just wild. Honestly, so again, I'm so glad that you did. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like it's almost, uh, it's, it's, this is an update on the Lady of the Dunes, but it's also a whole other, it's more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, thank you for taking us on this journey that you went on to discover the update on Lady of the Dunes and then discover a bunch of other people. A bunch of other people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, God damn it, why can't we ever get stuff solved? Like that's the cringe and frustration still reigns strong. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. No. Well done, friend. And and again, uh, I hate that we'll probably it's 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 um, we know, but it's it's there is still that just little lingering. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and this brings us to. Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Kim, what you watching? So I actually, you know, I I just finished um, Mayfair Witches, uh, which is the uh, AMC's in their Immortal Universe um, show. It's... it's, in the same universe as their updated Interview with the Vampire show, um, they're not directly connected, but they are in the same universe. Like, there's a reference, I think, in an Interview with the Vampire episode, they reference, like, the Mayfairs down the street flying their brooms or something. But, um, and I, I, it just aired the season finale, uh, like, on Sunday. It was, it's, you know, from recording it, it was Sunday, but it'll be, like, a week by the time this episode's released. Mm-hmm. And um, I I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's a very different show than Interview with the Vampire. It's it's all focused on the Mayfair family, who is a family of witches, and they have this demon that's kind of attached to the family, attached to a specific witch in the family. And um, there's lots of lots of sex, lots of sex. Uh, <laughs> it's the pacing's a little off. 
Mm. Uh, it was. I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed Interview with the Vampire more. Mm-hmm. But the pacing for this was a little bit off, but it kind of found its stride again. It starts pretty strong. It gets a little, eh, and then by the end, it picks up again. Um, If you've read the books, it has some liberties it's taking, which honestly I think is good because the, I think I read the first Mayfair book, but then was like, eh, because there's some stuff in it that, I don't know, it's very Anne Rice in certain ways. But uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's very atmospheric. It's a good cast of people. Yeah, I heard about it, and I have it on my list to watch because mm-hmm. I knew it was of the same realm of interview mm-hmm. as the vamp- or interview with the vampire. So I'm excited to watch it now too because now I have AMC since I started doing interview with the vampire. <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, I also watched uh, Terrifier Two. Oh, how was which, that? So uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Terrifier or Terrifier Two, it's uh, Art the Clown. And um, the first one I actually wasn't a huge fan of. Like, it was fine, but it's just kind of, like, gore and not a lot of character or plot mm-hmm. development. And I've been hearing a lot of, it's weird to say, good buzz about Terrifier 2, but I had. So I finally sat down and watched it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I enjoyed it. Oh. Like, it's not going to be a movie for everyone. It's it's very gory. Um, lot, But the practical effects are really cool. It has really interesting characters they they i just took those notes about what people wanted characters they could kind of glob onto mm-hmm. you've got interesting characters it's, it's just messed up and weird but you're kind of i don't know i was there for this weird gory ride but this is not a movie to watch if you are squeamish no let's put it that way okay uh what you been watching um, not that, because I probably <laughs> won't watch that. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 for a very specific type of horror fan. Mayfair Witches I'll watch. Yeah, that's <laughs> that one, more your vibe. That's more your vibe. Yeah, that one not so much. Um, I have been uh, very busy the last couple of weeks and not really able to watch as much stuff as I, or quality stuff, I'll just say. <laughs> so that I'm not going to talk to you quality, necessarily quality. about, um... A Perfect Match, which is a really dumb show on Netflix, um, but I did love hate it. Um, but I did find a cute show that I actually think you would really like a lot, um, mm. and it's called Not Dead Yet. Have you heard about oh, it? Oh, I've been seeing the the trailers. It has um, is it Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin? Yes. Yeah, because I love her. Yeah, I really really like her. She's a fantastic actress. Um, yeah, it's really. Like, sweet, heartwarming, good. Also, just, like, it's an ABC show, so, like, you yeah. kind of know what you're going to get. But sure. um, it, the premise of it is that she lived in London with her fiancé for many years, and then they break up. She has to move back to L.A. and go back to her job that she had as a writer for a newspaper, but they put her in the section where they write about dead people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, Really? you're going to put me there. And like everyone else has like grown in their careers since she's gone. And now she's back like at the bottom and all bummed out and like not doing so well. And then all of a sudden she realizes that every person that she has to write about is literally haunting her until she publishes their article. Um, Mm. And so there's like, there's an interesting um, kind of self-realization that happens. There's, a very funny moment where she tries to vacuum somebody up, you know, like it's, and, and there's, you know, she has a roommate that's like 
a really interesting character as well. And it's just, I think it's well-rounded from a writing perspective. And I forgot Mm -hmm. the actress's name, but she plays Cece in New Girl and she's in it too. Um, Oh, yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I love her. She's great. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's funny too. I like that it's got some little comedy in it, but it is more of like a coming to terms with death and life and, you know all those concepts that people think about from time to time. Well, that's that's good to know because from the the trailers of it, I couldn't quite get a feel for the tone. And it looked like it was going to be a little bit more traditionally sitcom, which I was like, eh, I'm not sure uh-uh. if I want that. I, I don't think it is. And I think okay. that's why you would actually like it. Also because mm-hmm. the comedy is pretty subtle. It's not super like in your face. Okay, okay. Um, some of it is, but for the most part it's not. Sure. Um, but the the other funny thing is that she can talk to these ghosts and nobody else around her can see them but she but her and so she has to wear like AirPods to make it look like she's on the phone um, oh, to make it look like she's on the phone yeah, yeah that's funny so like I think you would like it um, it's a nice chill thing to watch when you're decompressing yeah. at the end of a long day um, mm-hmm. but I also was really excited for um, and you know I love a comedy moment so. Uh, History of the World Part Two. I think it just came out today. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had time to watch it yet, but I. God, I, the cast. The I mean, dude. Yes. Mel Brooks is mm-hmm. everything. Um, yeah, oh yes, I we we love Mel Brooks. Um, we do love so Mel Brooks. Old. <laughs> like I didn't realize how old he is until it yep. showed like what he actually looks like right now. But like any reputable comedy actor <laughs> is in this, and um. Just to give a little sneak peek, I'm not giving anything away, but uh, there are just there's Johnny Knoxville playing Rasputin, um, which mm-hmm. is very funny. And there's like a little jackass moment in there <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, there's like a little bit on Curb Your Enthusiasm that's mm-hmm. got some original Curb Your Enthusiasm people in it. It's Chef's Kiss, very dumb, very funny. 100% would recommend. It's not for everyone. It's Mel Brooks sure. comedy. Like, it, yeah. you know what to expect with Mel Brooks, right? But, like, I think the twist of having, like, modern times mm-hmm. within the Mel Brooks writing is a really nice combination because there are references to, like, social media, for example, and, like, things that we deal with uh, in the modern world today that Mel Brooks didn't have at his disposal when he was in his heyday. Um, sure. Yeah. But it's very, very funny and I highly recommend. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. A little bit of a ghosty moment, but still comedy and like not super horry on this. Yeah, that's fun. E, not horry. Horror. I mean, live your best life. Do what you got to do. Amen. But um, <laughs> I also just wanted to shout out that even though we haven't watch this show in a long time. Kim got to meet some of her favorite people. I did. Comic Con. <laughs> I did. Who did um, you meet? Talk about it a little bit for a second. Uh, actually, you know, I, I, and this is my first time doing Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, I do CryptCon. I do, uh, you know, more of that level of things. Emerald City is a little bit overwhelming, but um, our flag means death. Yes. Uh, Samba and Vico and Reese Darby, and that's Jim Roach and Steed Bonnet, respectively. We're going to be there. And uh, I went to the panel. It was amazing. And I um, got to meet them, got my picture taken, got Reese's autograph, burst into tears in the line. His agent consoled me. It was very nice. Uh, <laughs> <Such> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Well, it's funny because, like, you know, I, we've talked about this before off the podcast, but like you do something like this and people 
see a certain side. They see one side of you. And we've talked pretty openly about our anxiety. And like, oh, yeah. I actually have a lot of social anxiety, but I channel it when I'm performing because that's a, a very comfortable for me. When I'm not, it's a little less comfortable and I'm awkward and I get easily overwhelmed. Um, but no, it was amazing. It was, it was game changing. Uh, there was also like the cast of Scream was there. Oh. Uh, Nev was there. Um, Ski Ulrich was there. Jamie Kennedy, who follows me on Twitter, was there. <laughs> I like that I like that's that now his full that. name. <laughs> no, that's his full name to me. Jamie Kennedy, who follows me on Twitter. Uh, and um, Matthew Lillard, who is also a oh, doll. I've been loved him. by that man so many times now. Uh, he is the nicest human. And then a bunch of the cast of Buffy. The Buffy panel was awesome. James Marsters, Christmas oh. Carpenter, Christina Sutherland. Like, I got to say, David Tennant was there. Um, the Doctor Who fame, like, and and Good Omens. I mean, like, it was. I, I gotta say, I kind of get the hype for for Emerald City now that I've done it. Um, I probably still wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for Our Flag Means Death, and I'm still glowing about it. It was, it was, it was awesome. I've never but, seen a picture of you where you're more happy. I kind of want to post it on our Instagram, but we'll, we'll see if you approve <laughs> we'll that see. message. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but it's. I mean, it's on my Instagram. That's true. But. It's it's there if anyone really wants to find it. But uh, it's so cute. It's I I was very excited. It, it meant a lot. I met a bunch of internet nerds who I've been talking to on the internet, so that's always fun. Um, and if you haven't watched Our Flag Means Death, like also go watch it. Like why it's not? So why haven't you watched good. it? Yet? It's so good. It's so good. And they finished uh, filming the second season, so it'll be out at some point. They haven't announced a release date yet, and HBO Max is kind of a dick, but like. <laughs> Uh, what they are, they, it's, mm, they are Gabby. They are, I believe but, them. um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was lovely and delightful and, and I'm still kind of coming down from it all. And Crypticon is not that far away. So that's next on my radar. And, uh, well, and actually I'm, we'll post some of these to our Instagram, but like I'm guesting on a crap ton of stuff coming up. So exciting. Um, so much yeah, fun. So much Yay. fun. I'm going to be going back on Nikki's podcast too. Nice. Um, yeah, it was just there's a lot. There's a lot happening. We like what we like when we're busy. It's a good busy to have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And having said that, if you like what we do and how busy we are for you, um, you should check us out on social medias if you haven't already. Um, mm-hmm. Just look us up, Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast, wherever you find podcasts. You can listen to us, Instagram, Facebook, what have you, wherever you want to see stuff with visual references for what we talk about. That would be on our social meets. If you like what we do and want to give us some money, please, we appreciate you (laughs) and give you extra content, which is super exciting. Head on over to our Patreon to uh, check us out there and see if you would like to be a ghoul, a cryptid, a spirit. Choose your own adventure. Um, And we have have a new patron that we should give a, a shout out to. Justine uh, is actually a, an old friend of mine, so I'm really excited that she is uh, one of our new apparitions, patrons of our Patreon. So welcome, Justine. Hope you enjoy our horrible bloopers when we release them. <laughs> um, but also, there's going to be so much more good stuff for Ghoulside Chats um, for our elevated listeners as well. So really excited to release some additional stuff and... Uh, Check us out over there. And if you mm-hmm. like what you hear, give us a review, rating, whatever you would like to do to tell us, hey, I appreciate you. We also appreciate you. We so, do appreciate you. Yes. And having said that, thank you for listening and stay, stay.